Cheers. Okay, so right at the beginning, I'm going to call upon some helpers to help me set up, um, just to give a little illustration. So Steve, you've been volunteered by your wife. Thank you. And Jared, can you grab four boxes each for me? I think there might be some there for you, Jared, and then some there that Steve packed for me earlier on. Um, when I had this idea, which was around Monday, I had the idea of bringing in like nice little... so. I got ones from Asda at 7 a.m. in the morning, which with a child, for me anyway, is a real challenge. And then when Jared was putting them in the house, a massive spider was around these. So there's been so much investment, I feel like I can't go back now. We are using the boxes, and hopefully it will work. So, yeah, if we can pop them on the floor, actually, that'd be great. Um. (laughs) Awesome. If you want to get notes slash... um, Phones, Bibles, things ready. I'm going to put my password in because I don't have a printer. So here we go. Um, yeah, the intro is perfect, to be honest. I didn't actually know that's what was going to be said, but it fits, which is God at work, isn't it? Um, so I get to speak to you um, as part of the current series, as you've probably already heard, titled All In which is about developing a culture of partnership. This is about galvanizing, which I think is a great word, us as a church. I think when we allow God to show his heart for us, that is when we find a deep soul kind of level, desire and passion to be a part of what he's doing. The title for today is We Are Connected. I don't know if, yeah, that's there. Um, and I'm going to speak about the value of connection, mainly in those connect group settings that we have, and hopefully capture something of God's heart for us. This is supposed to motivate us to be a part of connect groups and that aspect of our church life, but I don't want it to be a persuasive speech. We'll hear a testimony, and hopefully we're going to have a great time together, but my prayer is that we'll be captivated by God's purpose for his bride, and that we'll want to invest in each other so we can become a healthy church. Before we dig into today, I want to honour those people who do give up time to build this connect group aspect of our church. I hope there's actually some of them here today. Anyone who is a connect group leader, can you stand up? Hopefully we've got some represented. Fantastic. Let's honour these people. These are fantastic, fantastic people within our church. We're not, not holding them up on a pedestal as such, but just saying thank you because you give so much time to investing in pastoral care for people in our church and it is invaluable. We couldn't do it because, well, there's so many of us, aren't there, that we need people. And I know for certain, Dave and Helena, who aren't here today, have been our Connect Group leaders for years. And um, the transparent conversations we had, the teachings we've had, the great coffee we've had um, has been invaluable. And so, yeah, we just honour you guys and thank you so much for all the time that you give. Um, Um, there we go. Now, I'm aware that the whole concept of connect groups is probably quite an easy one for me, being a bit of an extrovert. Um, In the middle of a busy week, um, when I was teaching, I would rush home, mark some books if I could do, have dinner or whatever, but then be excited to get to connect group. And then I'd come home and sometimes have to carry on marking papers into the evening. Um, But I wanted to be there. It's a pleasure to be there. It's a fantastic few hours in the week. But that excited me, even though it was a busy day. Some of you, maybe, that is like the last thing you can think of. When you've been around people all day, you just think, put me in a cave, I want to be on my own. Um, And actually, that's a bit like Jared, he just wants a nap half the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, but um, I I don't want to persuade you. This isn't about kind of going, well, suck it up and go to Connect Group. This is about giving some time and space for God to speak to you about what his heart is for this. And hopefully, because we're unpacking what the Word of God says, you'll be convicted and you'll feel, actually, I do want to be part of that, and I can see the value in that. 
So, um, on, I think it was Monday night, um, a few of us went to the Alive Leaders Vision Night, and some of you might have watched it streamed online. It was fantastic, and Stuart spoke an awesome message called Jesus at the Center of It All, which is just such an anchor, such a, as you can imagine, like a centering message to bring it back to who it's actually all about. And that's the perspective that I want us to have today. Our perspective, as we're listening, well, you're listening to me, but as we're thinking about this, from the perspective of who God is, what his desire is for us. The reason we gather on Sundays uh, for connect groups, the reason we pray together, and how else, however else we connect, is to strengthen us for the walk of following Jesus and sharing that with people. And that's a massive but mighty and holy and fantastic call. And so my prayer is that we'll be encouraged in that today. So did you know there are at least 26 references in the New Testament that talk about believers meeting in homes or being part of a household? I think the appeal here is that homes are usually comfortable places where people can relax, people can be vulnerable, like I said, get a good coffee. For me, uh, when I go to people's houses, being the incredibly nosy person I am, I like looking at family photos, um, seeing what's in people's cupboards, actually. (laughs) I quite like that. Um, Sometimes just varieties of teas. When I go to Helena's house, she brings out like this, I don't know, it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory full of different flavoured teas and things. It's awesome. But anyway, um, I feel like I then get to understand people a little better. And this was the same with Jesus. Some of the most powerful connections and moments that he had was just gathered around a table or gathered in people's homes um, with his friends. Now, if you think about the time we could spend in a connect group, about sort of two and a half hours or when your connect group leader decides to kick you out because they've got work in the morning, um, then actually we can spend quite a lot of time there, especially compared to a Sunday morning if we rock up at half 10 or 10.40 and then leave on the dot because we want to get back for lunch. That's not always the mentality, but, you know, sometimes it's only an hour and a half. So already in that space, in a connect group setting, we have so much more time to invest in one another and all the things that I'm going to unpack the results of being together. Now, this isn't to say we're being ordered. We're not ordering you to be a part of a connect group. That's not what this series is about. Um, But the Bible speaks of meeting publicly in many places. And if you want to have a look at it further, um, Act 2020 and Romans 16.5 are other references too. And you find, you know, many, as I just said, there are loads in the New Testament. Um, A little while ago, I think it was back in July, I listened to a a talk from Jo Hargreaves, who's actually running the gathering, the women's conference, and she spoke on the power of the table, and it's available on podcasts. What was really interesting is that um, I found out, historically, meeting in homes was, and especially around the table, was actually a really significant thing. I didn't realize quite how powerful it was. Um, Not only was it a place of vulnerability, a place where divisions of social status were broken down, where major conflicts were resolved, and things like covenants and bonds were made that were like these unspoken rules that would basically never be broken or they would vow to never break them. That's a significant thing to happen around a, a table. When we gather in each other's environments, we're breaking down this idea, as Lucy mentioned earlier on, about community that we have to come together and fake it. It's something I'm still learning. Like It takes a while to open up sometimes, doesn't it? But instead, we let each other into our lives, and then we can be vulnerable. Now, Connect Groups have been a part of church life through the ages, and they provide an area for growth or a space for growth that is invaluable. 
Not only are we personally challenged, but we go through these things together. We hear the messages together. We talk together about whether we disagree or agree in the things that we learn. And this is part of our vision as a church. If you don't know, it's very simple. Knowing God, growing in God, and then going, which is the mission aspect. The people are loved. This is what Connect Group's about, being able to be cared for and having a space to grow. So the purpose of Connect Groups, if I haven't already kind of clarified, is to raise disciples through several things. So we've got committed friendship, saying I'm going to show up, I choose to build a friendship with you. Mutual support, pastoral care, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and it just in and of itself creates an environment where people can grow to trust and follow Jesus. Through this, we believe people will be effectively discipled, that our church will grow and that pastoral care can happen, which, like I said, can be quite tricky in a large church. So rather than kind of rattling on about it, um, just to highlight kind of even more this impact of Connect Groups, I thought I would hear it from the horse's mouth. So Ben is going to come up and quickly share about the value of Connect Groups to him. Let's welcome Ben Martin. Thank you, Emily. There we go. I made some notes this time because I'm known to waffle if I don't make notes. Um, So Emily sent our message on our little uh, Facebook group the other day asking for someone to talk about our Connect group and the meaning behind it. Um, I felt quite moved to talk about it because, uh, as I'll explain, it's been quite impactful on our lives. Um, So before we came to Grantham, we meandered around the world a bit, but before that we were in New Life, alive uh, in Lincoln, and we had been in a few Connect groups there. so experience of them is it was just sort of a Bible study thing. We, we weren't able to sort of grow with them. So when we were put into a new connect group uh, in Grantham, we were like, mm, just a, another night off, isn't it? We weren't sort of very enthusiastic about it. Um, and in fact, we didn't really know anyone in our connect group. I was trying to think back. It was about four years ago. Uh, I don't think we even knew Jared and Emily at that time. Uh, we didn't know Dave and Alina, our leaders. Um, so it was a bit of a introduction to new people more than anything um so then from the very start it was a lot different it was more of a um a group where we could grow together um and we talked honestly from the very start all of us um there was some butting of heads uh i love it when jared winds up marcus it's it's just inspirational and then the words that comes out of marcus's mouth is um but yeah As time goes on, um, we were able to share, we were intimate with each other, we prayed together, we worship, we grow, and very quickly, this group became our support, uh, our inspiration, um, and our family as well. Um, Both mine and Roxy's family live really far away, um, so we don't have a family in Grantham, uh, but our Connect group is our family, all of them, Um, and I think that's shown by the fact that four out of five of our godparents are from our connect group. Um, and we would probably select out the next bunch, if we ever have any more kids, that is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just wanted to sort of share one of our fondest memories of how that is our family. When Arla was two weeks old, I was going back to work after my uh, leave, um, and... We didn't think we were going to be able to leave the house for a while, but somehow we managed to get Arla into the car seat. She fell asleep. We went to Dave and Alina's just for sort of like a social evening. Um, and we arrived there, and nearly everyone was there, really warm and welcoming. Somehow Arla managed to stay asleep. 
Um, everyone prayed over us, and it was great, just family warming. And then we just sat down and watched Shrek for two hours. And it was the best thing. Dave held Arla for that full time. You could tell he was falling in love. And it was just, that's how I knew we were a family. We all just sat around, all the kids, all the grown-ups. We watched Shrek, and it was just the best time ever. And then we went home, and Arla still was asleep. And it was great. But yeah, connect groups, awesome, family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There we go. Thanks, Ben. So you can see, can't you, the impact that it has. And I'm sure you've all got stories similar of the impact that it's had. Now, I've got three points for you today, which are hopefully going to be illustrated by these boxes I have um, assembled. Now, Paul Milligan, who's over there, has, I like to, you know, I was inspired by his use of props, and so I've brought cardboard boxes. (laughs) Um, Just humor me here, and imagine they are people. Now, each of these boxes, ideally there'd be loads, um, represent a person. Here they all are. They're meant to be kind of random, but I didn't actually state that, because otherwise it doesn't really work for the illustration. Imagine they're just spread out, as we are, people just in life, kind of randomly around. Um, (laughs) Some of them are looking a little bit lonely, they're randomly placed, but here is the first point. So Jared and Steve, can you just start putting them in pairs or putting them together? This is what we have. We go from a large group of individuals just randomly placed, that's it, to suddenly we have bonds forming, we have relationships forming. Does that make sense? Is this, are you starting to see the context here? So uh, first point is connection brings relationship. In these verses, and I need to actually jump back because I haven't actually said that, the main passage for today is Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. So it's Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One awesome picture of this church forming. Now it says every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor. And I think in terms of this, in terms of gathering together, forming these bonds, all we actually have to do is just show up. For some of us, it might be managing to get your child in a car seat and actually turn up, but maybe getting home from work on time to be there. It's far easier to recognize someone's needs within a connect group setting, to talk deeply when we do meet this way. And as you can see from these boxes, the corporate church that was kind of once spread out is starting to look a bit stronger because we now have connections forming. Not only is this a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, but Jesus tells us himself the importance of connection in John 13, 35, when he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then as well, in Hebrews 10, 25, we're told to encourage one another. And in there's so many other passages, we're told... Um, 
I'm just going to kind of reel off the things we're told to do. So we're told to love, we're told to welcome, to serve, to submit to, to do good to, to exhort, even to admonish, to confess our sins to, to pray for and show hospitality towards each other. I can give biblical references at the end if you need to know where they're from. Um, Now, Jonas is an incredible pastor, as I'm sure you'll agree. But if you think about all of those things, he can't do that. (laughs) So we need each other. We need these groups in order to challenge and to comfort and to love and to care for. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Now, obviously, then, if that's what God's heart is, the enemy would love to break that apart, to whisper lies and bring about confusion. He'd love to cloud our judgment, make us think that it's not worthwhile, make sure that we think there's no point in showing up or there's no value in it. But I think in order to grow in maturity, to grow in our strength as a church, let's allow these relationships to form so that we can do all of those things that it mentions in Hebrews. Rick Warren, as I'm sure you'll know, he, in an online article, uh, states, At Saddleback Church, we say the whole church is like a cruise ship and the small groups are the lifeboats, which I think is a really cool illustration. We are like the cruise ship together, but those connect groups are the lifeboats. And I can testify to that. At times, I felt lonely or just in need of conversation or help, and going to that connect group has been a lifeline. So my question to you is this. Are you giving yourself an opportunity where you can be loved, cared for, helped, shown hospitality to? Do you have access to a support network who can pray for you when life gets tough? Now, I'm still learning the art of vulnerability, but like I said, I believe that if we show up, we're giving God the opportunity to move through us and to build, help build those relationships. Okay, so that was the first point. Connection brings relationship. My second point is this. By connecting, we grow in faith. And so I need my volunteers back. And what I want you to do now is to stack these and to make them into higher things. So you're kind of building a bit of a tower here now. Apparently I needed to risk assess it, but it's fine. (laughs) Okay, cool. So we've got little structures beginning to form. Steve's a taller. (laughs) There we go. This is not to say church is competitive. It is not. (laughs) Connect groups are not competitive. Wow. Good grief. Okay, so connecting with growing faith. We start to see, though, don't we? They're looking pretty significant now. These are looking like monumental things. Maybe if these are people, like we can try to imagine, um, these are looking like people who are upright or people who are pillars in their community, people who are seen and noticed amongst the rest of the world. These are starting to look like fairly strong structures, don't you think? Maybe not that one, but... <laughs> So I want to suggest, in the context of connect groups, we are given an opportunity. We don't really have anywhere else in the life of the church to grow and be shaped theologically. Now, I know we do on a Sunday morning, but I mean kind of deeply, regularly with small groups of people. Our main passage from Acts, in verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This would be a faith-building thing, wouldn't it, to witness the Holy Spirit moving. And I want to take a bit of a detour here, so please bear with me. My brain sometimes works in funny ways, but I'm going to go with it. Now, I recently heard a brilliant teaching by um, a lady called Brooke Ligertwood, I think you pronounce her surname, but she leads Hillsong Worship, and she was preaching on loving the church. 
which it was incredible. You can find it on YouTube. But she refers to some passages from C.S. Lewis, the the Screwtape Letters, which I have already read. But I want to read some bits for you today just to hopefully illustrate this point. Now, just to give a bit of background, it is quite a strange concept for a book. Um, Have many people heard of it or read of it before? Yeah, cool. Um, So Screwtape, who is basically an old well-practiced devil, basically, is writing letters to his nephew called Wormwood. And they're basically exchanging one letter per chapter, teaching, uh, the old one is teaching the younger one as his sort of apprentice, how to persuade people not to be following Jesus. That's kind of the concept. Um, When they refer to the enemy, they're referring to God, because obviously God is their enemy. And when they refer to patience, which you'll hear, um, they're referring to the humans that they're trying to influence. So it, it, it can be complex, but hopefully you will stick with me for this bit. So I'm just going to read a bit. Now it says, One of our great allies at present is the church itself. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean the church as we see her, spread out through all time and space and rooted in eternity, terrible as an army with banners. That, I confess, is a spectacle which makes our boldest tempters uneasy. How cool that it makes that, gives that reaction. But fortunately, it is quite invisible to these humans. All your patience sees is the half-finished sham gothic erection on the new building estate. When he goes inside, he sees the local grocer with, a large, with rather an oily expression on his face, bustling up to offer him one shiny little book containing a liturgy which neither of them understands, one shabby little book containing corrupt text um, of a number of religious lyrics, mostly bad and in very small print. Thankfully, we don't have to do that. Um, when he gets to his pew and looks round him, he sees just that selection of his neighbours whom he is currently avoided. You want to lean pretty heavily on those neighbours. Make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like the body of Christ and actual faces in the next pew. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people those pew, that pew actually contains. You may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side. No matter. Your patient, thanks to our father below, is a fool. Provided that any of those neighbours sing out of tune or have boots that squeak or double chins or odd clothes, the patient will, be quite, will quite easily believe their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. At his present stage, you see, he has an idea of Christians in his mind, which he supposes to be spiritual, but which in fact is largely pictorial. His mind is full of togas and sandals. Did anyone think that when they first came to church, if they were new to church, would be in sandals and togas um, and armor and bare legs? And the mere fact that the other people in church wear modern clothes is a real difficulty to him. Never let it come to the surface. Never let him ask what he expected them to look like. Keep everything hazy in his mind now, and you'll have all eternity to amuse yourself by producing in him the peculiar kind of clarity which hell affords. Now, the reason I wanted to read that is it's more than just entertaining or compelling. Attending a connect group is more than just having tea and biscuits or or cakes. If you've ever come away feeling really fired up about the word of God or full of the Holy Spirit, encouraged by one another, then I believe you're you're building blocks together like this. And it's not just for us. It's not just so that we have a nice little gathering. 
I felt, uh, felt pulled when I was writing this to mention what we're actually doing is building a healthy church of influence. And I, I love that Stuart mentioned this, that is actively fighting the devil's cause to break us apart, to distract us. Like it said here, that they don't, the devil doesn't want to bring clarity. God wants to bring clarity. He wants to destroy the unity because he knows we are a force to be reckoned with. So let's bring it back to us connecting in these groups. In terms of connect groups, when we meet together, when we eat together, sit together, pray together, these people no longer become this caricature. We don't see people and think, oh, you know, not necessarily togas and sandals, but they've got their host team badge on, or they're behind the connect area, or they're behind the PA desk, or he's behind a guitar, so I don't really know who he is. These become real people we start doing life with, that we understand, and we can do real life with. Now, C.S. Lewis mentioned, and I love this, people with double chins. I don't know why that's so offensive, but double chins. Maybe people have smelly breath that are next to you. I've got major coffee breath right now, so I'm glad you're not near me. Um, Or people who sing out of tune. The enemy wants us to be distracted. And I I know this is in in sort of reference to Sunday mornings, but when we gather in connect groups, maybe there's someone sat next to you who sniffs a little bit too much or is blowing their nose or twitches or whatever it might be. You can kind of build the context for yourself. But we are choosing to be in relationship with a group of messy, diverse, different people. It's true, isn't it? And that's the beauty of it. It's so countercultural. It's surprising to people. I've had mum friends before, people I've met at children's groups and things like that who say, um, oh, yeah, but my friends are in their 30s. And I'm like, I've got a friend in their 60s because <laughs> that's what it's like. We are, we are a group of people who are inspired by one another despite the differences. This produces a powerful gathering of people um, because of that choice to love. Now, we have an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit together, and this can bring some really, really incredible fruit. In Isaiah 11:2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And this is what happens. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, I want to suggest that as a connect group gathered, we can create opportunities and atmospheres of faith for this to happen with us. The supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. If you feel lacking in wisdom, in counsel, in talking to people, um, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, anything else that you feel is lacking, I'd suggest getting involved. Speak to one of these connect group leaders. Speak to the pastor. Speak to anybody who is on location forum and work out how you can get involved. I believe this is a connection that is going to be unifying the church. And it's not just about that, but it's, as Stuart mentioned, spiritual warfare so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into more mature Christians and a more influential church. All right, thanks for bearing with me that one. Are we all good? Okay, so those are the first two points. We've got relationship, we've got faith. And thirdly, this is a short one now, um, we are connected to grow numerically. So we're connected to grow numerically. Um, Jared's just gone, which is really encouraging. (laughs) So I made another volunteer. There is one box over there. Some keen person can grab that box and just add it wherever you want. And then there's a few more that Steve's got over there. He made a little bit of help. Can I have one more person? Please. Thank you, Jim. All right. So basically, I just want you to add these boxes around anywhere on the stage. We're now building it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right. So... Maybe your mind's ticking and thinking, what the heck is she doing now? Where's the connection? Just give it a bit of thought, and I'll reveal all in a moment. We've got, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven extra ones going on now as well. Thank you so much, guys. I'm sorry about the recycling that's going to need to happen as a result of this. (laughs) Fill the bins. 
Awesome. <laughs> uh, maybe this side of the ice, Jared will get insecure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, he's, still, he's still really upset about the spider he had to see yesterday coming out of one of the boxes. Okay, so what we've now seen... Bear with me. This is people being added to the church like was added in Acts. It said daily people were being added in number. Not only do we have relationship, um, people in relationship with one another, we have these towers that are beginning to form through faith, through the works of the Holy Spirit, representing spiritual maturity, discipleship, all that good stuff. But adding more to that number now, and the church is becoming a significant thing. Now I know globally the church is a significant thing. God will build his church, it is alive, it is existing. But as for us as a church, we are operating now like they did in Acts where we're actually empowered to then go out and spread the gospel and make disciples. The, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so we're becoming all in, and we are partnering with the vision to then share our faith. In verse 47 of this main passage in Acts 2, it says, as I've said, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And it isn't about numbers. When we talk about multiplying or evangelizing and however many people have been saved, we're talking about real lives being transformed for eternity. I'm so guilty of it. You kind of go, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, actually, (laughs) I see what they mean now. We should get excited about it. Connect groups are a fantastic opportunity to walk out this commission to make disciples. Um, People who have been believers for years will still find that this is then an area they can grow in, or people who are deciding to follow Jesus for the first time. Sometimes for connect groups, it is that brilliant stepping stone between um, attending like a full Sunday service where they can ask questions and grapple with the things they've been kind of wondering about. So a guy called Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho, who is a South Korean Christian minister, says each connect group becomes a nucleus of revival in its neighborhood because the connect group is where real life is to be found in that neighborhood. It's where real life can be found. Now, whether it's that we expand our church in our own personal village or street or wherever, or just church as a whole, wherever it comes from, I think connect groups can be a catalyst for this numerical growth. And I felt a personal conviction here to keep inviting people when people might say no or might feel a bit weird about it or maybe that time I didn't explain it quite correctly and so they weren't too sure. If we do believe what was written in Acts is true and that God can do that in our church, then we believe he can do it in our church too and that he can add in number. Now I encourage you to reconsider attending a connect group if you haven't done so already. If you've never been a part of it, if you've maybe been a part of it and you're not too sure or things cropped up and suddenly you became committed into lots of things, or maybe you haven't invited anybody and you think that actually that would be a fantastic stepping stone to add to the number to get people an opportunity to hear about Jesus, then please, please do. This is what this morning is about, giving some time and space for you to do that. And so those are three points. I think now if we look at these structures, hopefully it's illustrated the point. This is what's happening in the church, that we are growing, that we are growing healthily, we're growing in relationship, we're growing in maturity as Christians. And so I'm just going to pose some things for you to think about now as we close. Perhaps you need to know the value of relationship with other Christians and experience this openness and vulnerability that can come from small group meetings. 
Maybe you've become stale or stagnant and need to be reminded of the strengthening that comes from the Holy Spirit when we give him space to move. Maybe you're considering joining a connect group to grow in as a disciple or know who you would like to invite along now. And I'm just going to pray. If you resonate or anything of that resonates with you, um, just give some space now. Allow God to speak to you. Continue to let that happen throughout the week as you ponder where your heart lies and what God is, is showing you. So, Jesus, I thank you that you are building your church. I thank you that right from the beginnings of it that has been your plan. I thank you that right at the heart of it is connection for your, your desire for us to be in relationship with one another to grow in our relationships with you, to learn the truth and the freeing truth of who you are. And Jesus, I pray for perspective now. I pray that cynicism would be broken. I pray that um, just that, like Jonas mentioned, the apathy of maybe I want to play netball on a Wednesday night or whatever it might be, that Jesus, your perspective for your church would be the thing that is overriding every other judgment, every other cloudy thought right now, Jesus. I pray that we would realize the power of gathering together. I pray the Holy Spirit would reveal his heart for his church to you and to help us become practically the life flow of a life and building together. I pray for courage as well for people who may not have shared anything about their faith with people recently or may not have had the courage to invite people. Jesus, I pray that you would give them an opportunity this week that's almost handed to them on a plate where they can invite someone along. I pray for proactivity for people to attend. I pray that them being gripped by your heart for your people would, would bring that desire to be connected into your church. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the people who are investing in connect groups now. Thank you for the leaders that we have. And Jesus, we ask that new leaders will be raised up in those groups, that they would be um, strong teachers, strong leaders that can help with the pastoral care of this place. Thank you, God, that this was all your idea. Thank you that it's good. Thank you that you desire for us to be in connection. And Father, I pray that that desire wouldn't just be some nice little feeling that lasts and then we um, get to Monday morning and we can't be bothered anymore. But Jesus, we'd be sold out for your kingdom sold out for the purpose, that it's about just meeting. It isn't just about meeting together, but it's about meeting to then know and to grow and then to go, to go and share that with people. Amen. Okay, so Jonas is going to come up and just close that for us. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. That's great. So if you want to get plugged into a connect group, please do see one of the host team. We'd love to journey that with you. Uh, there's a connect group that happens during the day. We can try and work out the best time of the week for people. Uh, but let's cl- plug in and build relationships in this place. That Yong Cho pastor pioneered a church of 100,000 or something. It was incredible in South Korea. And he said this, every human being needs two revelations. The first revelation is of Jesus. They need to be saved and to know him. And the second revelation is the beauty of the local church and their need to invest in that. And I'm just sharing that. And this series isn't about forcing or legalism, but I know in our culture today we have lost a biblical understanding of what it means to be part of a local church. We've just moved away from the New Testament as I see it. You may disagree, but swim in the New Testament and make your own mind up. And in Alive, we want this culture of partnership 
but we regularly attend Sundays, regularly attend connect groups, generously give financially. We serve in teams and we pray together like mad that Jesus will come and do his stuff. And that for me is a culture of partnership and that's what this series is about. So I don't apologize at all if you already know all that we're saying. I'm asking, are you living it? Are we in this? Are we all in together? I'm going to pray in a moment. Three things I just feel the Lord has has given me to share. The first thing is, uh, I would love to pray for someone with soft tissue damage on their left foot, the top of your foot. There's uh, soft tissue damage that for years you've walked and you've limped and you've wondered what's happening with this. And we'd love to pray for the healing of God upon that this morning. Second thing I just felt, um, with all these things, you test away them. I've got to deal with Jesus. I just step out and, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. And I'm willing to be wrong, but I just want to be obedient. The second thing I just feel was an indent in the skull above someone's uh, eye, which causes horrendous migraines at times. And uh, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Uh, The third thing as well we'd love to pray as we formally bring this to a close is I want to pray for anyone in this room who has never been what is called by some baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you have never been filled with the power of God so that you know what it is to walk in his power and not in your own, we would love to pray for you this morning for for an empowering and a baptizing in the Holy Spirit because that is the only way we're going to run into all that Jesus has for us in him. So if one of those three things or if any of those resonate with you or if you've got any other need, we'd love to pray for you this morning and there'll be people here at the front and uh, 